Well, let's talk about 2020 vision. The title of my message is 2020 Vision, and I'm going to preach it, and I know God's grace is going to be with us. One of our prayers that we were praying in the pre-service prayer was that the vision sticks. Amen? Because sometimes as a leader, you can have a vision, but it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to communicate the vision. It's another thing for the vision to actually stick. Amen? And a lot of times as leaders, we'll say like, oh, you know what? I've told them this before. I've told them that before. All right? But they're not doing it. So we pray that supernaturally, this vision is going to stick. 2020 is a significant year. 2020 is a significant year. Today, our Joburg Church, Go Church Josie, is celebrating one year. Hey, Joburg guys, they can see us. Okay, we can't see them, but they can see us. All right? Because we, we're beaming it uh, live to them. And so we just celebrate with you guys and we thank God for this wonderful year. I mean, we're always raving about the Joburg crowd, you know, the quality of people there, the number of teachers of the word there, the number of kingdom financiers that are there. We really love you guys and we're looking forward to spending more time with you. Uh, next week, Sunday, Pretoria East Church, Go Church Pretoria East with Pastor Michael and Fadzi, they'll be celebrating three years. Isn't that exciting? It's quick, eh? They'll be celebrating three years uh, next Sunday, and so we stand with them. Pastor Michael is really one of my best friends. He's so precious, isn't he? Okay? The guys are consistent, consistent. And then um, the church in Highfelt, Centurion, that's us here, um, in April, the weekend of the 11th of April, 11th and 12th of April, we'll be celebrating 10 years. Okay? And so we thank God for that. Now... 12, about 12 years ago, in 2008, can you imagine, 2008, when the recession happened, that was 12 years ago, guys, okay, 12 years ago, when I asked the Lord what we will call this church, I heard an inner audible voice, and he said, go, he said, go, all right, so what you're a part of here, it's not a fabrication, it's not a fabrication, it's not something that was invented by man, Amen. All right? I literally heard a voice saying, go. Now, he might have been meaning, Paul, just go. Don't worry about the name. But the fact of the matter is I just asked him a question, right? Um, and also, around that period, he specifically said that I'm opening doors of teaching, teaching doors for both you and Tracy, and you will plant a church. We had been involved in church planting prior to that, but I believe that there was something significant about the church that was going to then be established a couple of years later on. Amen. So I'm saying this because the plans of man are many, but the thing that is established is the thing that God is birthing. We've been talking about birthing quite a bit, haven't we? All right? When something is birthed prophetically, it's also established. That's one of the things about prophetic ministry. That's why when Samuel was called by God, what did God say? He says, none of your words will fall to the ground. Amen? What does it mean when our words fall to the ground? It means that we make declarations, we make decrees, but nothing happens. None of your words will fall to the ground. It goes on to say, and Samuel was established as a prophet in all of Israel. All of Israel recognized it. Some of you have come to this nation. You've just come to this nation, but you haven't been established yet. Some people have planted churches, but the churches are not established in the land yet. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I believe that this is going to be a year where God wants to seal the establishment. Amen. He wants to steal. He wants to seal the establishment. Now, 
The first thing I want to highlight is that 2020 is going to be a year of equipping. Everyone say equipping. 2020 is going to be a year of equipping. What is the purpose of the fivefold ministry? Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. They're there for the equipping of the saints to do what? To do the work of the ministry. I don't know why we call pastors ministers. Like they're the ones who are supposed to be doing the ministry. The Bible says that the fivefold ministry is there for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So it's going to be a year of equipping. Have we not done equipping before in the past? Of course we, we've done it before. But I believe that God is establishing us as equippers. Amen. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to 14, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And this is, I believe, a word for both my wife and myself that is calling us to devote ourselves to teach. Amen. What does the word devote mean? The word devote means to give yourself wholly to something. Wholly to something. So it's not going to be a side act. That's why you can see all these meetings we're having in the course of the week. It's not going to be a side act. There's a shift in us where there's a devotion to teaching and equipping. Amen. All right? And when you, when you unpack this, it's very interesting because it says in verse 14, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you through the prophecy spoken over you at the laying on of the hands of the elders. There are three dimensions of equipping that we actually see in the scripture. It's equipping that happens through role modeling. That's why the Bible says be an example of. So you cannot say, I'm going to teach the people, but you're not modeling what you're teaching. Amen? That's why I said to you last week, there's certain messages that I don't preach or haven't preached yet because I don't feel I'm walking fully in those messages. Amen? We've got too many churches today where people are saying, you know what, do as I say, but don't do as I do. That's confusing. Whenever we're talking about making disciples or equipping, we're talking about a combination of what you teach and what you model. That's the biblical Christian worldview around teaching. Amen? All right? So there's a journey that we are on as your leaders where God is saying, you need to role model this. You need to show the people this. I mentioned at Ignite the other night that it was wonderful when some of the band guys used to come to our house. That was like maybe 10 years ago, uh, nine years ago. After their band practice, they would come to our house. My wife would feed them. And I was glad that they would see me. My kids were small at the time. And they would see how I was being as a father. Amen. God has called us to have strong relationships where people actually see certain things being modeled. When this church started, he spoke to us and he said, you know what? You're going to have to do a lot of reparenting. How many of you know that you can have someone who's 25, someone who's 30, but they still have to be reparented? Amen? They still have to be reparented. And that's what happens in a church setting. There's a lot of reparenting that takes place. But you have to be in relationship in order to do that. Amen? All right? So there's the role modeling dimension of equipping. Secondly, there's the teaching dimension of equipping. So yes, we'll be preaching and teaching a lot in a Sunday service, but we'll also be doing a lot of it midweek. Amen? And then there's something interesting that is mentioned here. It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you through the prophecy spoken over you at the laying on of the hands of the elders. So how does impartation happen? Very often it's through prophetic decrees that are made, all right? Very often it's through the laying on of hands, and very often it's through serving together. But there's something of our spirit. You remember how the Bible talks about Moses and how Moses had to lay hands on the elders in Israel for the multiplier effect. Amen? Amen. 
right, to get the thousands. And it says something of the spirit that is on Moses will come upon the other people. That's what happens in spiritual family. Amen? There's an impartation that takes place. And we see it a lot in our meetings where sometimes there's some people will pray for and you can see there's a block where they're not fully receiving. And then there are other people we pray for and you can just see there's this open heart and they receive an activation and an impartation. And when we study it, very often it's determined not by the person who's praying, the degree of the receiving. Very often it's determined by the heart attitude of the person who's receiving. Amen. So are your hearts ready for 2020, which will be a year of equipping? Are your hearts ready for teaching? Remember the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. That is quite something. That is quite something. There's so many resources we have, so many things we've taught. Don't despise them. Don't despise them. Right? That's why it's great that Tendai spoke about some of the books and things like that. Why? Because that's that DNA. That's that life that God has called us to pass on to generations. Amen? So let's take our resources seriously and we'll be using them in a lot of our discipleship strategies. Amen? Are you ready for looking at role models around you? Not just us, but there are many who've been with us who carry the same vision, who carry the same heart. Are you ready to get into relationship with them? Amen? All right? And are you ready for impartation? How many feel that sometimes you have to be present to win? In a lot of our Ignites, those who don't know what Ignite is, it's a time of prayer and extended worship that we have in this church, okay, on the last Friday of every month. Now, those times of Ignites, what's so powerful about them is the impartation also. Amen? It's the impartation and the activation that takes place. So, the way we're going to be doing it is, Pastor Trace is going to be focusing quite a lot on the women. Amen? She's going to be focusing quite a lot on the women, and I'll be focusing quite a lot on the men. And we will start off by doing a lot of pastoral training. Remember back in the day, we used to do SOLA, School of Leadership and Reformation, and it was public teaching, and people would come. And then we had a season where we would do meet, ministerial equipping and activation time. Now we've decided we're going to do it in small group settings by invitation. Those who are being raised up pastorally, they might not all become pastors, some are evangelists. Some are more prophetic, okay? And we will be running small groups. My wife will be dealing with the women. She's already invited some of them, right? And I'll be dealing with the men. Amen. It's going to be extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. And then when we take them through, we're going to actually start off um, using one of my books on keys to practical pastoring. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to be the only ones doing the house visits. Is everyone following we don't want to be the only ones going out and say, oh, I need prayer, but bring me the pastor. That pastor, it's not the pastor, because there are many. Amen? Amen? Come on, we don't suffer from the man of God syndrome, right? There are many. And see, God blesses you with people. One of the marks of my success is if there are a whole lot of people who are raised up in ministry, right, doing the work of the ministry. But how many of you know that they have to be equipped? Amen? So we're going to see that taking place. And then these people who are part of those groups, they will also be starting groups. And that's our heart and that's our vision. Making disciples that make disciples. Those of you who are good at maths, you know the multiply effect of that, right? It's one thing to just speak to a crowd. But when you can deal with a handful of people and then have those people, each one reach one, look at the multiply effect of that. In the past, we've tried it. 
Now, we've always had small groups in this church, but in the past, we've tried a very stronger accountability, stronger discipleship strategy, and there was resistance. People were like, oh, no, I can't do this. Oh, no, no, no. We felt like the law was just being placed down on us. But I believe we're in a different season as a church. Amen. We're in a a different season. So how does that affect how we do small groups? I'll explain it just now. Because in addition to those pastoral training Um, groups that we'll be starting up, I'll also be working with the men more broadly. So that's why we've got kingdom men. And that's why this Saturday is crucial, guys. In the past, we stopped having men's ministry because people weren't pitching up. Every year, you always have a guy. You know how men can be enthusiastic and full of zeal. And they'll come, pastor, pastor, we need to do this for the men. We're not having enough men's meetings. And I'm like, well, you guys need to pitch up. Amen? You need to pitch up. We can't have a men's meeting and only three guys pitch up. All right? With the ladies' meetings, lots of women come. So if you, if you don't come as a man, what are we supposed to do? Are you you're following me this morning? All right? So we're going to have this meeting um, starting this particular Saturday. We'll be meeting uh, once a month or so, all right, as men. And we will be talking about this once every two months. The men's meeting, only once every two months. But we'll be launching our accountability groups from those particular meetings. So we'll have the big meeting with all the men, and then from there, there'll be accountability, and we'll call them go groups. So some of you will be rising up and saying, I'm starting a go group with, for men. How many of you know that when it's gender specific, very often we can go deeper? You're not gonna have a guy in a mixed group saying, yeah, I just want to confess my sisters. I struggle with lust. Every woman that I see walking past, I undress her with my eyes. You're not gonna, guys, you won't say that in front of women, will you? Amen? Ladies are getting nervous, okay? In our church, we don't have guys like that, okay? (laughs) All right? The point I'm making is you can go deeper when it's gender-specific, right? We're going to have mixed groups also. For example, I'll be meeting once every two months with the kingdom financiers. We've already started that process. But some of those kingdom financiers are going to say, you know what? I want to start a go group, but with people I'm mentoring. Some of you are passionate about equipping people when it comes to finances, when it comes to business, aren't you? Especially youngsters that are coming up. So you'll be able to start those types of groups. Is everyone following, right? And um, I'm so excited about that. And as the weeks go by, we'll be explaining to you exactly how this will take place. Now, I know the people in Joburg are a bit nervous and they're wondering, so what's going to happen to our groups? What's going to happen to our groups? In Johannesburg, you'll carry on meeting with your groups. But coming out of those groups, there will also be some of these gender-specific groups taking place. So I'll be going across to Johannesburg and I will be equipping some of the guys who are pastoral there. Right? We want to be developed in the ministry of teaching and the ministry of pastoring. Right? My wife will also be having a monthly meeting there with some of the ladies that we've identified in Johannesburg for pastoral training. Isn't that exciting? All right? And stemming from that, they will also start other groups. And I believe that that's how we will go from one to many. Amen. All right? You know, it's been found that the best environment, the best environment for discipleship is the small group. Not the public one-to-many-many people, because we all like crowds, don't we? Okay? And not even one-to-one. Not even one-on-one. The best discipleship uh, strategy has been found, and I'm not going to go into the research, but it's actually the small group. It's where people meet together in small groups, and they're accountable to each other. Amen. So you can do things by yourself with that devotion you've got, you know, your devotional and so on. Or you can say, you know what, in addition to my one-on-one stuff, just me and God, let me get into a group with people who will challenge me. I think it's so, so powerful. 
All right? The discussion process in these groups is going to be very simple. Around the material, Sunday services material, and specific special interest groups that start up that material that we'll make available to you, you'll be literally asking the question, what did you learn from that text? What did you learn from that sermon? Okay? Secondly, we'll ask the question, what do you need to start doing differently? And that's the obedience aspect of discipleship. Remember, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Then he goes on to say, teaching them to obey. Not just teaching them, teaching them to obey. Right? And that's what will be happening in these particular groups. Guys, what do you need to start doing differently? As a result of that message you heard, as a result of that text you read in that book, what do you need to start doing differently? And here's the outreach aspect of it. Who are you going to tell? So it's getting us into the mindset that whatever I'm learning right now in this group, I'm learning not just for myself, but I'm learning so I can also impart to others. And that's where the other groups will start. Amen? The groups won't, won't multiply. They won't divide. All right? The way the groups will work is they will stay like that for a very, very long time. And then when someone is ready to start another group, they will then start that group. So at each moment in time, someone in the church is being discipled and also making disciples. You can also start multiple groups, okay? There's certain people, if I think of people like Rufaro in, um, Rufaro Shambare in um, Joburg, all right? She will have a group for parenting, right? A Facebook closed group for parenting, and then they'll have a monthly meeting. But she will also have another group that she'll start at a certain point that's to do with studying the word and researching the Bible, all right, with a similar model, but it might be an outreach group. So you can actually start multiple groups. Isn't that exciting? Okay? You can start multiple groups. Some of you will start groups in the marketplace, in the workplace. I had a dream about that recently. People starting groups in the marketplace. I think it's exciting. Some groups will focus on discipling believers. Others will be outreach orientated. And the dynamic is not the same. Amen? Some people have got this thing where they think that discipleship starts when you become a believer. How many of you know that Jesus was dealing with unbelievers when he said, hey, come follow me? When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he wasn't necessarily speaking to believers. Think about it. He was already teaching people before they got saved. And for some of you, you're very outreach orientated, and we would love that to be taking place this year. This is so crucial. We're also going to be focusing on accountability, so we're using the spiritual health audit. And you can get this spiritual health audit on the website. If you just go to accountability tools, if you look at the, our website, www.gochurch.co.za, for those who don't know, you just go to the resources tab. You go to where it says resources, and under resources, you'll see our accountability tools. Please, everyone should download them. Okay, and we're going to be adding more and more. There's a spiritual health audit that we have there, right? And then there's also a marriage life audit. It's got very powerful questions, especially for marriage, married couples and for families. And I'm going to keep adding more and more. For those who aren't familiar with our spiritual health audit, it's got certain questions. For example, we've got about seven or eight different categories. We'll ask you questions around historical issues where we'll say, tell us about your spiritual journey. Right? Do you have time bombs, patterns of weakness that might just explode? Another area is devotions. Tell us, how is your devotional life? How is your personal time with God in terms of your regularity, the content, the approach? Can you see the depth of accountability that's there? All right? There'll be questions around stewardship. There are questions around stewardship. How is your time management? Do you believe you're fully utilizing your time to glorify God? 
What are the time wasters in your life? Right? So I encourage everyone who then starts up a Go group to actually make use of these tools and resources that we've got. How many of you have been using it? Those of you who are familiar with it, how many of you started using it? Powerful stuff, eh? Powerful stuff. And you know what? You can actually have a conversation just based on one theme only. You can't cover all eight of these in just one sitting, right? You can actually have a conversation around one of the themes. So are we in agreement that this is going to be a year of equipping? It's going to be a year of equipping. When you start your group, please submit your name and contact number together with the list of the people who will be in your group. Some of you were trained in this area already, right? So you send through to us your name, your contact details, and who you will be discipling. I think it's going to be very, very powerful. All right? We'll also embrace technology as we equip people. We have to. Simon, you'll be happy with me saying this, right? Season two is going to be starting soon for Saving Our Marriage, the TV show, right, where I'm involved in counseling people and coaching their marriages and so on. That's been very powerful, but there's a technological element to it, right? Because when you're doing things on television and so on, wider audience, let's take advantage of that, right? We have the YouTubes of the different episodes that come through, and they're on marriagecoach.co.za. You can be passing those on to people. There'll be many people who come to this church because of that, amen? I speak to lots of people, and they're like, oh, your church must be blessed, so do you also do coaching for them? Oh, okay, can I visit your church? But it's great when we're passing on that particular information. So we're going to embrace technology. We've already started doing online courses, online courses, extremely powerful. My sister-in-law, Marielle, she's been helping us with that. Now she's, um, she's upskilled SIPO, and SIPO is also going to be helping me with that process. A whole lot of our courses are also going to be online, and they can also be used for discipleship purposes, right? We're going to have digital disciple making. It's something that people like Gracious have been doing and are experienced in. People like Rufaro is going to be doing that also. I'm also excited about that. We're going to have live feeds from multiple locations. At the moment, we've been doing a live feed through to the church in Johannesburg, Right? But you know what? We're working on the lighting there so that we can also be in Johannesburg, connecting with the guys there. Yes, connecting with you, Joba guys. And then we will be beaming it this side. Isn't that exciting? Right? As we start other congregations, we know that the Pretoria East Church, they're, they're fully functional. And they're running with things. They've got a strong pastor there and so on. So they, they run with, they, with their services that way. And from time to time, we go and we visit them. But think about it. When we start a congregation in Timbisa, when we start a congregation in the Val, think of how many lives we're able to touch because of technology. All right? <clears throat> They'll also be equipping on Sundays taking place. I know some of you have got your favorite type of messages that you like to listen to. But if you're a parent, you want to make sure your kids have a balanced diet. Amen? Some of the messages that we preach from here, they're not our favorite topics, but we know we have to do them. And when we obey the Lord and we do them, we see the fruit. Remember last year when we said we're going to just teach on foundations? We're going to just teach on foundations. We're not going to have it as a small group because the people who are supposed to come don't come, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do it in church, and we spend many weeks doing it. And look at the fruit. Look what God did during those times. Amen? There's certain relevant things we have to equip the saints about. So there are going to be times when you'll hear my wife, for example, doing a talk on a biblical view of euthanasia. We have to be equipped so that we know what to say in the marketplace concerning euthanasia. We're going to do messages on a biblical view of sex 
and sexuality. Now, some of you get nervous when we talk about sex in church, but do you want your kids to hear it from the jungle? Do you want your kids to hear it from schools where there's their humanistic ideas concerning sexuality? It has to be taught in church. You know? And the thing is, we have some people who are like, eh, but traditionally, eh, culturally, oh, I can't do that. This is where we have to say there's something about our culture that's not in line with the word of God. We need to be able to teach these things in church and be comfortable talking about them. Amen. Okay? So we'll be speaking about some of those, those topics. This year we'll be focusing quite a bit on lifestyle and character issues. From time to time we'll have powerful prophetic messages. Often when I, when I ask my wife to preach, I say, my love, share what's on your heart. As a prophet, what's on your heart for the church right now in this season? And then she goes for it and she releases that. And people are like, oh, it's touched me, it's touched me. Because it's a prophetic message that you need to listen to at that particular time. But there are going to be times where I might say, like, you know what, my love, we need to teach on a biblical view of hermeneutics. And that's where you have some people saying, Herman who? What? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Are we all in agreement that we need to have a balanced diet? You might not like Brussels sprouts. You might not like cauliflower. There are only a handful of people that I know who like those kinds of vegetables. Okay? Um, but they're good for us. Amen. All right. Secondly, 2020 is a year of targeted ministry. It's going to be a year of targeted ministry. What do we mean by targeted ministry? We're going to have men's ministry. We're going to have women's ministry. Haven't we been doing these things in the past? Yes, we have been. But we're going to be very focused and intentional about what we're doing. That's why we've got the single moms group. Because for a long time, I would call for us to have these marriage meetings. And I know as a church, we're strong in terms of the marriage side of things, right? And I'll keep thinking to myself, but we've got lots of single moms or even single dads. What are we doing for them? And that's why we started up that group. Amen? And I, I believe it's going to be really, really powerful, right? Um, we're going to have a parenting group. There's actually a parenting group that is going to be starting up in the Joburg Church. And anyone here in Centurion is welcome to also attend it, right? In the Joburg Church, we've got a lot of young parents, right? People who are about to have kids, about to have their second child, about to have their first child. How much pastoral work are we doing to groom people to say, you are pregnant, this is what's happening to your body right now, right? We want to be strong with regards to that. And so there's a powerful parenting um, group that's starting up there. And if you're interested in that, please let us know and we'll link you up to the right people. Okay, um, we're going to also be strong in terms of young adults. One of the things about our young adults ministry, at a certain point, we closed it down because we realized most of the church is young adults. Most of the people in the church are young adults. And we realized, wait a minute, they can get involved in all aspects of the church. But then at a certain point, we spoke to, um, Pastor Stewart spoke to us, and we realized that we need to catch people in times of transition. There's a book called Essential, The Essential Church, which shows that a lot of people drop out of church because they felt church was not essential to them. You know what I'm talking about? And then later on, some of them come back to church because they're realizing, oh, I've, I've got my child and I want to raise my child in the ways of the Lord. Oh, pastor, we need premarital counseling. We're coming back to church. Can you also do our wedding, please? Okay. So we need to make sure that in those transitions, people are being ministered to. The transition between high school and university is a massive one. I don't know about you, but when I went to varsity, a number of my friends that were Christians in, their, in high school 
when they went to varsity, they went off the rails. You know what I'm talking about, especially the ones that were in a sheltered environment at home. They went crazy. And then what I also noticed is that at university, there were certain people who came from very poor backgrounds. They were at varsity with a scholarship, right? And then they passed quite well. The moment they started working and earning money, they didn't know what to do with the money. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? A lot of them got deep into drinking and all sorts of things. Some even died, car accidents, etc. But there was, a number of them were in a backslidden state. They had come from very small rural villages, and they were now working first job in Joburg. Got confused. You know people like that, don't you? Imagine if the church is there to help them through those transitions. Isn't that powerful? So the young adults ministry is going to have a very strong mentorship focus. A very strong mentorship focus. And we've got a powerful team leading that. We've got powerful people leading that. We've got uh, Stuart and Sally and Bishop. We've got uh, Nikki's involved in that. Kume is involved. We've got Lanston and Tendai. We've got a number of key people who are going to be involved uh, helping our young adults. All right? We're also going to have um, a very strong youth group. A very strong youth group. It's already started and things are going really well there. I'm actually in the process of designing a manual for our youth, saying this is what you're going to go through, this is the curriculum, and there's a great team working there. Uh, Kingdom financiers, right, and business God's way. Those are some other targeted areas, right? We're going to be strong when it comes to discipling of our children. Our children's ministry is already strong. Many people are here, some of you are here because of the children's ministry. Let me just say something. You can't have a church in Gauteng where there's so many young families, but your children's ministry isn't strong. And our children's ministry is not a babysitting service. And in addition to what we have on Sundays, there are people like Merciful, Merciful, who's extremely passionate about discipling children. That's one of the things she's also going to be doing. Right? So we're going to do that, and we're going to obviously have our parenting and our marriage and family ministry. So it's going to be a year of targeted ministry. Why is our ministry targeted? Why are we targeting specific groups? Because that's what the Bible talks about. In Titus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, it says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men. So there's something specific for older men. Amen? There's something specific for older men. How many older men do we have in the church? <laughs> there's someone you're older than, right? <laughs> All right. It says here, yeah, you must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect. A lot of older men like being respected, but they're not worthy of respect. So their teachings around, hey, older men, how can you be worthy of respect? Point one, point two, point three. Okay. Worthy of respect. Self-controlled. You can teach self-control. And sound in faith, in love, and endurance. So there's something specifically for men. And a lot of the men in that church were older. Right? Because remember, these, a lot of these guys were young apostles. Timothy, Titus, they were young apostles, so there were a lot of older men. Likewise, teach the older women. How many older women do we have? I know the two who consider themselves the grannies of the church and so on, okay? And, they, and they be, they're becoming besties, I've noticed, right? Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So you should be teaching, then they can urge the younger women. 
You know, sometimes I look at what certain young women do, and I'm thinking to myself, have you ever been mentored in how to be a woman? Have you ever been mentored in how to be a wife? Just think about it. Has someone actually shown you the ropes, according to the word of God, to say, this is how you must treat your husband? That's what the Bible is talking about. Can you see that it's, it's very gender-specific, isn't it? Our discipleship is not restricted to gender, but the Bible unpacks it this way. It says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. When was the last time, those of you who are older women, when was the last time you went to someone who's newly married and urged them, hey, love your children, love your husband. This is how you can love your husband. This is how you can love your children. When was the last time you did that? That's what the Bible is talking about here. Amen? These things can be urged. These things can be exhorted. These things can be taught. To be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. How do you teach someone to be busy at home? To be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So that is another group. The older women and the younger women. Verse 6. Similarly encourage the young men. How many young men do we have in this church? So there'll be groups designed specifically for you. Can you see it's targeted? Titus 2 is so powerful. And if more churches did this, we'll be more effective. Amen? There's a message for young men. That's not always the same message for older men. How many of you know that when you reach a certain age, there's certain things that you are not... <laughs> there's certain things you're not that much into. I know there are a few old men that are still into them, Right? But that's why the Bible says, Timothy, be careful of the flee, the lusts of youth. There are certain lusts that are associated with youthfulness. And there's a message for those young men. So encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. We want to be a church where people can't point fingers at us, where there's nothing bad they can say about us. We want to be a church where people look at us and they say, there's something happening here. Amen? There's something happening here, and I'm attracted to it. I was speaking to Brother Musa. I don't think he, he minds me sharing this, but he said to me, you know what? I found out about this church from, through, through, um, through Juan. Because there was something that I saw that was attractive when I noticed how Juan was with his family. And I, you know, I noticed a difference in Juan. And he specifically said, not, not that Juan was bad before, but I noticed a difference in Juan in how he was with his family. Right? And he says, I want to know where you're getting this from. Amen? And Juan says, come and see. Amen? We want to be the type of church where people speak good things about us in terms of lifestyle as opposed to just teaching. The, the highest compliment isn't, oh, that was a powerful sermon, pastor. Oh, you preach nicely. That's not the highest compliment. The higher compliment is how we're living our lives. Amen? Not just me and my wife and my family, but everyone in the church. Last thing I want is a situation where people are watching the TV show, hearing me counseling marriages and so on. Then they come to the church and they're like, oh, is this how the men in this church treat their wives? Amen? That will be a shame. That would be a shame. And so what's exciting is having targeted ministry. And it goes even further. In verse 9, it says, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, 
not to talk back to them. So you can teach that. You can even teach your kids that, right? Not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Some of the teachings we've done in Business God's Way based on the book, we've actually unpacked that. How should an employer treat his employees? How should employees treat their employer? That's just another way of talking about it, slaves and masters, because back in the day they had slaves. Amen? And we've been teaching these things. Targeted ministry. Are we all in agreement? It'll be a year of targeted ministry as, as it landed. All right? Thirdly, thirdly, 2020 is a year of inheritance. I really believe that. It's our year of inheritance. It's our year where the things, the prophetic words that God has spoken over this church, we'll be walking in this year. We'll be walking in them this year. Right? We will walk fully in what God has called us to as a church. I believe that he's been testing us all these years and we've passed the test. And he's now saying, you've been faithful with the small, I'm gonna entrust you with much. I said, Lord, why didn't our discipleship strategies explode in the past? I mean, if you know that God often speaks to you in response to questions you ask him. And he says, because of the type of disciple that you would have created. He says, I first needed to do certain things in you, Paul, and get you deeper into certain things because that would inform the church in terms of the type of disciple making that will happen, the type of disciple that will be produced. Amen? So it's going to be a powerful year where it's our year of inheritance. What will that look like? A, we're going to get our land. It's funny, when I was talking about equipping and making disciples and reaching the lost, there were no claps, you know. But anyway, we're going to be getting our land. We've actually identified some land to purchase at the moment. We just uh, need some feedback on a couple of things around it, all right? Um, but it's great when you've got land surveyors in the church that can look at the land because you don't want to build on dolomite, Right? You don't want the thing to sink after a few weeks. And it's awesome when you have that endorsement where land surveyors can come and say like, you know what, it's actually really great. This will be a good buy, right? And I think by next week, we'll actually be giving you a breakdown. We'll have one of our finance people giving you a breakdown to say, this is how much money we've raised so far. And in order to purchase the land, this is how much money we need. Amen. Because this is the asking price. Isn't that exciting? So in your prayers, please be praying that they reduce... Um, the amount in terms of um, what they want. We've got good negotiators in the church. Sometimes with our negotiators, I have to be like, just, just remember you're representing the church. Hey? Just be careful how you speak to them and so on. <laughs> Some of the guys, yeah. Anyway, so we'll be getting our land. In Ezekiel 36 verse 35, it says, they will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins Desolate and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. In 2010, when the church started, the Lord gave me strong scriptures about inhabiting the land. Inhabiting the land. So the back of my mind, I knew that we weren't going to be moving into a crowded space, but we we're going to be moving into a space probably in the west of Centurion, you know, near that um, Forest Hill area. Do you know that that whole, that whole area from Centurion right through to Lanceria, in the next few years, it's going to be built up. 
That's how town planning works. It's going to be built up. People who grew up in four ways, they'll say to you today, we used to just ride our bikes through these flays, where there are all these buildings and roads and so on. It was just flays. They were just flays. There was bush here. That was a forest. Amen? So we want the city to come and develop around us. Amen? All right? And I believe that that's going to be taking place. So let's get excited for that. And we'll do that phase one. We'll get the land. Phase two, we'll announce to you. And we will say, okay, we've now got the land. Now we need to build. It's not by accident that we've got people in the world of construction that are in this church. I believe God has sent them. God has sent them to this church to help us in terms of these things. Amen? We've got civil engineers in this church. We've got lawyers in this church. We've got quantity surveyors in this church. We've got land surveyors in this church. And they're not just average. They're amongst the best. Amen? Amen? How many of you know that sometimes God will send the right people because of the vision? Amen. All right. Isaiah 45 verse 18 says, For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Okay. So we will be that side towards the west side of, of Centurion, and it's a spacious place, and people will be coming from many different directions. Amen. All right? Um, B, in terms of our inheritance, we'll be birthing this year an apostolic movement. So there'll be the launch of GMI, Go Ministries International, this year. Okay? And this will be an apostolic movement. It will be a non-exclusive global movement of like-minded, servant-hearted, apostolic leaders aligned with a vision to raise leaders and establish churches that effectively transform society. Isn't that powerful? So over the years, we've had people coming to us and saying, you know what? We've established this church or a number of churches, but we want to be a part of what you guys are doing. How can we build together? And we've said our apostolic mandate is not to lord it over other churches. Our apostolic mandate is the mandate of fathering servants that will come and help build other churches. So we will establish a whole lot of Go Christian churches, but we will also support and strengthen other pastors, right, who have their own movements, their own visions, their own network of churches, but they'll come and they'll be part of what we are doing. All right? So we've got friends. I don't want to mention names at the moment, but we've got a number of people, not just locally, but also regionally and also internationally, okay, that we'll be working with. So everything that is happening here is not just for us, but it's a global vision. Amen. And I just believe that's so, that's so exciting. It's something that we are called to. And um, this movement is going to be characterized by some of the following keywords and values. It'll be Bible-based. It'll be Christocentric. It will focus on servant leadership. It will have a kingdom mindset that impacts the marketplace. It will focus on equipping and releasing people. Integrity. It will be multi-generational. Amen? Just what, what my uncle was talking about. It will be multi-generational. The vision will continue into generations. Amen? And it will be strong also when it comes to generosity. And on the weekend of the 18th of July, that's when we'll be launching it. 18th of July, please diarize, those of you who are leaders, that'll be our leadership day, our annual leadership day. But it won't just be us. You'll see some of these pastors from these other churches that will be part of this Go Ministries International, and they'll be coming on board in terms of that. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, D, it'll, D, financial abundance. When we're talking about our inheritance, a year of our inheritance, 
financial abundance. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33 to 37, it says, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So there was what? There was great power. Now, often we associate great power with miracles, healings. But watch this. It says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. What does that look like? That there were no needy persons among them. There'll be no needy people here. There'll be no unemployed people in this church. We will walk in abundance in order to do what God has called us to do. People will come here unemployed and very soon they'll be equipped and they'll either start businesses or they'll get a job. Amen? Amen. All right? That's what will happen. That's what it was like in the book of Acts. You see, very often we like the power of the book of Acts, but we don't like the lifestyle of the book of Acts. Let's see what the lifestyle was like. It says, for from time to time. So this is the reason why there were no needy people. It says, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. You know what I like about this scripture? It wasn't a once-off. You know, sometimes people look at this and they say, no, it was a special time in the church age when people did this. No, it wasn't a once-off. It says, from time to time. So in other words, oh, in, in March, someone sells some land, brings the money in. Oh, oh, in April, oh, someone sold a couple of houses, brought the money in. We've had a time in this church, I still remember in about 2011, I got the biggest check, not I, but the church, we got the biggest check we've ever received. And it was from a guy who had just sold one of his restaurants. He had a number of restaurants and he had just sold one of them. And he says, this is the tithe plus a bit of offering. Amen? They're not in this church anymore, so don't look around. And go, do, you, do you own a restaurant? So I've seen it. I've seen this happening. Now imagine people are doing this. What I've noticed about a lot of Christians is with their regular income, they're good at tithing, a number of them. But when it comes to the big things that they do, like, oh, I sold this business. Do you still tithe? Or it's too much money for a church? This building is going to go up very quickly if we have this mindset. Amen? It's going to go up very quickly if we have this mindset. I'm not hearing any clapping anymore. Okay, watch this. And it says, and they put it at the apostles' feet. So they weren't afraid to give it to the church. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Isn't that powerful? All right? You know, I'm inspired by the giving of some of the churches in the townships here. When I go to Soweto or Daviton, some of these places, and I've preached there, the people come to me. The pastor will come afterwards and will say, you know what, sorry, this is all we can give you. This is all we can give you. And I see that it's a few grand. And they say, this is just to help you with petrol, with diesel. And I'm thinking to myself, this is too much for just diesel. And I'm seeing them with their own buildings. And I'm looking at how much the people there earn. And I'm thinking to myself, how do they do it? I'll tell you how they do it. There's a culture of giving, and most of the people are into it. They're part of that culture. Amen? All right? So um, <clears throat> we will be doing AGMs more often, right? 
where we will disclose to you and we will share with you, this is what's happening financially. This is where we're at and this, this is the gap. So that you see for yourself. So you don't just look and see the cars we drive and think, no, these guys have got lots of money. They're set. They're fine. Okay? Because the church needs you. Amen. We're going to go to another level of giving as the church and as effective kingdom financiers. We'll continue with our outreaches to Tembisa. But I mean, if you know that when you give food to someone, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. So guess what we're going to be doing? One of the people in our church actually has an organization that does skills development. Skills development. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be making sure we send people there so that they're trained. I was sharing this at Ignite. How many of you know that if you do a course where you just want to be, it could take you three or four months to do it, earth-moving equipment, you get a certification and it becomes much easier to find a job. How many of you know that our problem in South Africa, a big moral issue in South Africa, is poverty and it's largely due to unemployment? We scrapped, and it's a mistake we made in this nation, we scrapped the polytechnic system. That was a brilliant system. And we scrapped it. Now everyone is going and trying to get fancy degrees, but they're not getting jobs. They just know a lot of theory, but they're not getting jobs. Come on, how many of you have hired people like that? But imagine if we send people and they go for a welding course. If we send people and they go and they get a hospitality certificate. Right? That's something we can do. Not everyone has to go to university. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Not everyone has to go to university. Some people, they just need short courses. If you study the fourth industrial revolution, that's actually where we are going. Where people go and they do a short course when it comes to coding. A short course when it comes to data science. And then they can start their own businesses. So we're going to have that. You can do something when it comes to earth-moving equipment. There's safety courses you can do. I know a lady in our church who was doing that. All right? Firefighting. You know these guys who've got these fire brigades and so on? You can do that. You can do a course in terms of that. Agricultural courses. Hospitality certificates. And that's the route we want to go so that we empower people. Another thing we're going to be doing as a year of abundance, we're going to be creating a business directory. And we prayed into this at Ignite. We don't want people marketing their services in church. Why? Because there's a conflict of interest. Someone pitches up at your small group and you're wondering like, you know, why they're now dishing out their cards and so on. Do they really want to be here to be discipled or are they here because they're marketing? But the way we're going to make it easy is we're saying, hey, let's help our own. Amen? That's what the Jewish people do, right? They're really there for each other. They've got that Hebraic mindset. Let's help our own people. And the people have to be excellent. And we're going to form tribunals where we can actually say, you know what? The Bible says, how come you guys are sending people to lawyers out there? Is there no one wise enough to actually judge matters within the church? And sometimes we'll have to do that because there's certain people who might con people and so on. And then we'll take you off the database. We'll take you off the directory. And the directory isn't going to be for every Tom, Dick, and Simpiwe. So I'm not meaning you, because um, I know your other name is Simpiwe. I'm just meaning, you know, in general. It's not going to be for everyone. It's going to be for us. So you can't say, can I put onto the directory um, my cousin's brother's aunt's mother? Um, yeah, she's got a spaza sh a store in Polokwani. Can we put her onto the directory? It's not going to be that. It's going to be for the people here. Does that make sense? All right? So let me explain to you how it will work. Let me explain to you how it will work. Um, let me do it this way. Let me give you some examples. How many of you know what some of the other people in this church do? How many of you know that 
Ishe, for example, Ishe Shambare in Johannesburg. They recently started, one of the companies they've started is an app warehouse. So if I want all my crafted prayers, for example, to be in app format, I can just go to the app warehouse and they can do it for me. How many of you knew that? Right? Only two hands are going up. Ishe, only two hands went up. How many of you know that Cindy Cock at the back there who's always matching with her husband, how many of you know that she's got a beauty spa, health and beauty, at her house that she runs, right? There are a couple of people who came for the baptism, but then a few other hands have gone up, okay? How many of you know that Ashburn, Ashburn, raise your hand, Mr. Manzanese. How many of you know that he's got a company that does maintenance for houses? They can come in and do fittings for them and so on, right? People don't know that. Can you see, where, you see where I'm going with this? So we will have a business directory that has that type of information. And I can go on. The list is long of people doing great things in this church. How many of you know that Tendai, Lonston's Tendai, I don't think they're here today. They've started a shop in Zim, uh, Babies and Bumps. That is for pregnant moms and also kids. Anything to do with babies. Now imagine you give us the information, and I'll give you the details next Sunday, but if you give us the information of how we can get hold of you, your website and so on, and people can literally sign up and find out what you're doing. So we're going to be doing that. Amen. Amen. To do all of these things, the finances, the abundance will be at another level. Right? People, do, people don't know that, yes, I'm entrepreneurial. Right? Yes, I'm from an entrepreneurial family. But you know what? Some of the things that I'm doing out there in the marketplace, some of them I'm called to do. Some of them is just work. Ever tried coaching 13 people back to back? Sometimes I'm called into organizations. They'll say, can you coach everyone in this department? Okay? One of the things the Lord has been showing us prophetically is, you know what? We need to transition more. Where I'm going to be more selective in terms of what I'm doing in the marketplace so that I can focus on building this global thing that we're going to be building. Amen. That's what I'm going to be doing. That's what my wife is going to be doing. We're going to be fully focused in terms of that. By the way, for those, I don't know if you guys know, we don't actually take an income. Trace and myself, we don't take an income here, hey? So if you see us driving nice cars or going to France and so on, it's not from church, church money, just so you know. Okay, right? But in order for us to transition and be doing more, in terms of what we're doing locally here in the local church, it's going to have to be financed. Are you hearing me? I, I, and I'm saying this because I don't want someone else telling my story for me. See, when someone else tells your story for you, guess what happens? You might not like their version. So you have to tell your own story. The details of how that will work out, strong finance people will tell you, especially when we're ready for it as a church. But I'm just... Raising my hand now, I'm saying, I think with what we are doing, we need to transition more and be more so-called full-time in what we're doing. Because up until now, we've been functioning just like many of you as volunteers. All the things we're doing is volunteers. Because the Lord gave us a revelation and said, take care of what's mine and I'll take care of what's yours. But we're moving into a new season now. Amen. In, in order to do all of these things. How many of you are happy about that? Okay, that's good. All right. Finally, 2020 is going to be a year of prayer. 2020 is going to be a year of prayer. We're not going to be able to do all of these things without prayer. And that's why we're multiplying the amount of prayer in the church. Okay? That's why we've got all these new prayer meetings that have started that you've been hearing about. And guess what? 
27th, 28th, and 29th of August, you can diarize it. We'll be having our first prayer conference, and it'll be called Ignited. It'll be called Ignited. We've got a couple of guest speakers that will come through. We'll also be carrying the load in terms of teaching that, and it's going to be an annual prayer conference because the Lord has called us to teach on prayer and to impart the spirit of grace and supplication. Amen. So I'm really excited about that and pray for my wife. She'll be the one organizing that particular prayer conference. Um, in Matthew 21, verse 13, it's, it's writ, it says, It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Pastor Trace taught on that the other day. You know what's interesting? That word for prayer is the word prosuchomai, and it literally speaks of an exchange of wishes. It speaks of praying, literally, right? But it also speaks of an exchange of wishes. And I believe that this is a household of prayer where we'll be exchanging wishes, where we'll express our wishes to God, and He'll also express His wishes and desire to us. Isn't that powerful? And that's how the prophetic works. And so it's going to be extremely powerful. And Jesus here says, but you're making it a den of robbers. You can make it something else. You can make a high-performance center. You can make church a motivational center. You can make church a den of robbers. But we are saying, God, you are building a house of prayer. It will be characterized by prayer. All these things that we are talking about. Amen. So it's extremely exciting. And I encourage you to download the crafted prayers that we have on our website. What I'm going to do is, is that a powerful vision? Are we in agreement with it? Okay, that's what the focus is going to be for 2020. That's what the focus is going to be. And I'm going to ask my wife to really land this by just praying for us with regards to this. And let's see. Let's watch this space. Let's see what the Lord does. Okay. Just I uh, want to encourage everyone to have a look at our calendar. The calendar for the year has been bedded down. You can find it on the website. Um, or if you want a Google link, you can speak to Sipo or myself. We'll send you the link. But have a look because uh, uh, everything is better down there. You can diarize important dates and uh, make sure that you're a part of what is happening. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we so thank you. We're so thankful this morning for everything that you're doing in our midst. We're thankful, Lord, for what you're building in us and you're building through us. And we thank you that you make everything beautiful in its time, that you always bring to completion that which you begin. And so, Lord, even as we've heard this vision this morning, we present it before you. We believe it's your wishes. We believe we've heard from you. But, Lord, we look to you and we ask that you would provide for the vision, that you would undertake all these things for us, Lord God, that you would bring those you desire to be equipped, that you would bring the leaders, Lord, you desire to be part of these groups, that you would help us to equip, Lord, to raise disciples that make disciples, to play our part in extending your vision, Lord God. We pray, even in terms of targeted ministry this year, Lord, that these targeted ministry uh, venues and um, settings and meetings, Lord God, that they would be effective, that there would be deep relationship, that your presence would be there. Holy Spirit, that you would bring hidden things to light, that you would cause there to be healing and restoration and an equipping and a releasing, Lord God. We also lift up the situation with land, with finances, Lord, 
And we thank you that you're leading us into our promised land, so to speak, that you've set aside something for us. We pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would provide financially for us, not only for land, but to get a building going, Lord, where we can house and do everything that you've placed on our hearts to do. And Father God, we pray that you would provide abundantly for the, for the businessman in our midst. You would provide abundantly, Lord God, for the people in this church, that we can be we can be blessed to be a blessing. We can give from the overflow of what you've blessed us with. Would you take us individually on this journey, Lord God, and help us to be faithful. Consider us faithful stewards of that which you place in our hands. And Father, we lift up ourselves to you and we ask that you would continue to do a work in us concerning prayer. Lord, that you would take us to another level as a church. You would take us to another level as individuals, Lord, where we truly birth things in the spirits. Lord God, where we're able to carry your burden, where we carry and we identify and carry what is on your heart to full term and birth it, Lord. May you make us sensitive to what you're saying and, and show us what burdens we need to pick up, Lord God. Would you give us the unction to function in prayer and pour out such a grace of spirit and supplication uh, grace and supplication in our midst, Lord God. We thank you for your plans for us in this season that they're for good and not for evil, to give us a hope and to give us a future. And we say as our church, our eyes are on you. We look to you, Lord God. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes our help, it comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I thank you, Lord, that you will not allow our feet to slip, that you neither, neither slumber nor sleep, but you see. You're a God who sees. You're a God who watches. You're a God who performs. And so we thank you for that this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Our hearts are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I ask everyone to stand, please? I want to say thank you to all of you. It's such a privilege. It's such a privilege when you have a vision and then you look around and you see the caliber of people who've said, you know what, we're going to lock arms with you and we're going to do this thing. We're going to make it happen. And so I want to say thank you. I want to salute many of you here in this room and say I look forward to the next 10 years. Amen. I look forward to the next 10 years. So Father, right now, even as our hearts are joined together in this vision. I speak blessing over each person that is here. And I thank you, God, that they are partakers of this grace in this ministry. As they, as they are watering others, may you water them. May you remember each person here. You are blessed you are highly favored. You are blessed. You are highly favored. And I bless you with a Father's blessing. In Jesus' mighty name.
Hey, E-Family, Online Family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.